0: Hi, y'all, and welcome to the second episode of Hot Girls on Meds. Today, we're going to have one of my very best friends, Laura, on the podcast to talk about attachment styles. Laura first introduced me to the concept of attachment styles about two years ago, and it has really changed the way I view romantic relationships and friendships and has helped me to find much healthier partners for myself as well as to become a more healthy partner i think understanding this concept can be so helpful when you're in the dating world and i'm so excited to have her on to talk about it i hope you all enjoy the chat All right, so we have Laura here, and she is going to talk to us about attachment styles. So, Laura, do you want to give us a little bit of your background?
1: Sure. So, I know that um, you were talking at some point before we started recording about when I had started liking psychology in general, and that was back in high school. I had, like, the most amazing uh, psychology teacher Um, in my small town high school, and his name was Mr. Perrant, and he's probably listening, of course, so, um, yeah, hey, Mr. Perrant, if you're listening, Um, (laughs) yeah, so uh, it took me a long time to get to that point because I assumed that everyone in the world was obsessed with psychology like I was, Um, I know that most people are really interested in it, at least, but um, it took when I got divorced, um, going through counseling for the first time um, and through that experience, kind of realizing that I really, really have an appreciation for understanding like the human mind and the emotions and all of that. And so um, when it comes to attachment style, that was something that um, a few relationships later I then realized how much I needed (laughs) to know that concept in order to kind of survive in the dating world, um, and much less find like a good partner. So
0: totally. Yeah. So you are getting your master's in psychology, right?
1: I am. I'm getting my master's in
0: counseling.
1: So yeah. That's
0: what I thought. Okay. Yeah. So when were you first introduced to attachment styles yourself?
1: So attachment styles, um, it's almost embarrassing because I dated a guy who, once we talk a little bit more about attachment styles, he was on the avoidant side to the extreme. Um, and I was so confused by him and his behavior um, that I stuck around way too long, but um in that process, you know, I say I'm embarrassed. I was embarrassed that I ended up scouring the internet for all of the like interesting articles that. on <laughs> why do boys do this? Yeah. Why is this happening in my relationship? And you end up at these love guru websites that are so unnecessary yeah. and honestly should not be like listened to. But, um, yeah, so I found attachment style somewhere in the middle of that abyss, and it's yeah. like been like. Life changing.
0: So awesome. Well, can you tell us a little bit about what attachment styles is and the different types of attachment styles?
1: Yeah. So, um, I don't know that I'm going to be able to, uh, say it the way that the experts say it. Um, definitely getting my degree, haven't accomplished my degree yet. So just as a preface for everyone listening, um, but just, just a person that, um, has read up on it a bit and, um, yeah. So, Um, There are more official terms, but in order to kind of keep it simple, there's um, anxious attachment style, there is avoidant attachment style, and there's secure. Um, And then you actually can actually be a combination of anxious and avoidant. Um, And so the way that people will actually describe it too is you can actually be on a spectrum um, where you kind of fall somewhere between a number of them as well, um, depending on a scenario that you're in. but. Um, anxious attachment style is on one end of the spectrum and that's, um, ultimately people who can handle closeness. In fact, they like really want to be close at all times Mm -hmm. (laughs) or a majority of the times with their partners. Um, and those, those individuals do not have a huge tolerance for distance in relationships, Um, and then in the center of the, that line, that spectrum is secure attachment style. And that's kind of like the goal, um, really the healthiest relationships come out of a secure attachment style, um, or in partnership with somebody with a secure attachment style. Um, and that's a person who's kind of okay with distance and closeness, um so they're okay if you need to like go take your space that does not trigger them and they're okay if you want to be affectionate and close and um and be very vulnerable um so for them those things do not bother them and they they enjoy both sides of the coin Mm um and then the avoidant attachment style is the individual who tends to not do well with, uh, closeness and actually have a lot of tolerance for distance. In fact, they prefer it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, it feels like a place of safety for them. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if a relationship gets too vulnerable, um, or too close, um, both physically or emotionally, um, they can tend to want to distance themselves to create that space. Um, so that's kind of a general overview of, yeah, the different types of attachment style. So, So
0: that being said, how do you think we as individuals develop our attachment styles?
1: So, I mean, they've talked about it. Um, I cannot remember the name of the experiment right now, but
0: I can't um,
1: yeah. yeah, there's an experiment in which there were babies that were taken yeah. away from their mother, mm-hmm. and the way that they um, the way that they reacted upon returning kind of showed their attachment style. Um, and they believe that that was created kind of how that mother treated the baby prior to that. Right. Um, if the mom was more likely to kind of attend to the child whenever they cried or was less reaction reactive whenever the baby would cry. Um, so if a baby was crying and the mother didn't usually react, um, as often, um, the baby kind of became more uh, avoidant Mm -hmm. because the baby kind of learned to not expect that comfort from somebody um and so they almost learned to like self-soothe alone
0: yeah um to be very independent yeah and so then when a potential future partner does give them that attention does it make them feel uncomfortable yeah so i think they've just
1: never been modeled that right Mm -hmm. so I mean, who can say, right? Like, you have a relationship with someone um, growing up, your parents. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they may be really good at different phases of your life, right? Like, I'm Mm -hmm. actually very close to my mother now. But as a child, like, it wasn't super healthy. Same here. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, like, at this point, you know, um, she's responding a lot differently but at that point she was a very um let's see she was very reactive and I think I almost Mm -hmm. uh became a bit avoidant in that
0: Um, same when I was younger I also feel that I was very avoidant but given you know that example with the infant and the avoidant attachment what would it look like in that scenario to create that anxious attachment in an infant
1: Honestly, I don't remember at the I moment. Can't either. I think it was yeah. that they were um, sometimes available and sometimes yes, not.
0: You're right. That I'm pretty sure what that I it was yeah. Yeah.
1: So I'm pretty sure that it was that they didn't learn they didn't feel that they could rely on their parent. Yes. Their parent was sometimes there for them. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's also that, like, they would have, like, a very reactive pa- parent sometimes and then a parent that wasn't, like, super emotionally expressive yeah, other times. Definitely. And so they didn't know what to expect from their parent.
0: Definitely. Um, it's so interesting that our dynamics in our families when we're younger affect us so much and how we form relationships when we're older. And I definitely feel like it's been hard for me as I've gotten older because what has been modeled for me is definitely what I naturally feel most inclined to and feel comfortable with, but it creates such a difficult situation when what you're modeled isn't really healthy.
1: Right. Yeah, because you expect that to be how the world is, you know? Exactly. Who your parents are when you're a kid is ultimately like they know the right thing to do and you yeah. expect that the world like acts the same exact way it's totally. not until we like start seeing other family models right that we yeah. like i know that like my best friend's family was actually a really healthy family at least from the outside yeah and they it created a lot of very successful um children turned into adults yeah, yeah. Some very secure
0: kids right yeah, yeah.
1: So um it's That's
0: the goal. I feel like, you know, takeaway it's like how do we become secure and also raise children that are secure?
1: Right. I think uh, there's no perfect parent, right? And mm-hmm. so we're all trying to like correct our own parents' mistakes. Yeah,
0: definitely.
1: And um, I can sort of empathize with like my mom and what she went through,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but at the same time, right? Like, yeah. if I'm really honest, there's a part of me that doesn't empathize because yeah. it's what it's what essentially it was trauma yeah, no, definitely. for me. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Sometimes so. I feel like it helps me to give my mom grace whenever I um, think about the fact of her situation growing up was so much worse than mine. So to her, it's such a, a better situation. I feel like every generation, it's like relearning how to create those healthy family dynamics and to create a better situation because we Learn and grow from what our parents experience, and our parents have, you know, become the best possible version from what they can imagine from their parents. Yeah. To not perpetuate that generational trauma.
1: Right. Yeah, I think both of my parents had very aggressive fathers, from Mm -hmm. what I know. And so, with that, even though I loved my grandparents and my grandpas, um, it's interesting to think about the fact that they. My parents almost went the opposite route in order to protect us from that type of an environment, right? So there really is so much love in choosing to do the opposite of what they felt was, like, so awful about their parenting, their parents' parenting. Yeah. The other
0: extreme.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... I think we're all kind of in that pendulum swing trying to find, like, what's ideal and right and good. And Definitely. um, There's never been, I think, a better time in history, in my opinion, because I've heard from people in my parents' generations that we have so many resources. You know, there's trainings, there's books, there's podcasts. um, There's all kinds of things to be able to, like, learn and understand, like, what's going on in our relationships, much less our parenting. And, like, uh, it's funny. You and I are talking about it, and neither of us are parents. <laughs> I know. But we, we aspire yeah, <laughs> to be good parents um, yeah. because there's just so many resources for us. And, like, yeah, um, so we can change the tide. Um, we have that opportunity. And they didn't have nearly as many resources back
0: then. Yeah. So. No, I love that. I honestly would love to hear about your experience from when you figured out what attachment style you were and how you've kind of grown and created a trajectory more towards that secure attachment
1: so i think it's interesting i think that growth is um, two steps forward, one step back, two yeah. steps forward, maybe even two steps back sometimes. Yeah. Um, I don't know that we ever stop growing and learning, sometimes repeating the same lessons. Oh yeah, um, for sure. So with that, I think it just reminds me how much it's so innate in me and how much your childhood can imprint on yes. like who you are as yeah. a person. Um, Because I definitely lean more towards the anxious side of Mm -hmm. attachment, um, which is why I'm so into avoidant attachment uh, Mm -hmm. men. We Um, always
0: bond over this, Laura (laughs) and I, because we both are, unfortunately, very attracted to avoidant men. Right. For better or worse. And
1: I think that's part of, that's probably hugely where I've grown the most, is learning how to look out for that um, in myself, but... Even just the anxious side of me is recognizing where my reactions come from, um, mm-hmm. and how to not let them affect my choices. Right? I can yeah, have I can have job. an emotion, mm-hmm. um, and learning to be friends with that. Right? Being friends with I have a feeling, but it's not always true. Yeah. Um, because ultimately, that's what anxious attachment is. It's. You've literally had a fear that was instilled in you yeah. as a survival mechanism mm-hmm. for an environment where you weren't sure if you were going to be taken care of. Yeah. Um, and for me, it wasn't physical, it was purely emotional. But yeah, same for um, me. yeah. Mm-hmm. so I'm very lucky that I had all my needs met on a physical level yeah, and I had good parents in that way. Um, they just didn't know how to handle me emotionally. Um, and so with that, like, I definitely would catch myself wanting to, I don't know, like, assume worst of mm-hmm. situations or guys that, you know, maybe they didn't call,
0: totally. like, the first day after
1: a date, or yeah. <laughs> the text has a weird tone, or, yeah. you know, my brain would just go into every possible, like, scenario yeah, of what's going on. to protect myself, totally. right, like, yes.
0: you know. And we so. feel safe in that, because I know... For myself growing up in my family neither of my parents is very comfortable with expressing emotion um, especially even you know positive emotions like affection or love and so growing up I was very comfortable with keeping people at a distance because it was what was modeled for me so in dating that brought up a lot of the same issues of being attracted to men who would be there sometimes, not there other times, and who were inconsistent and sometimes unreliable. And it kept me very interested and it kept me very comfortable because it's what I was used to and had known of what relationships look like, but it did not set me up for success when it came to finding a really quality partner and creating a lasting relationship. So it's definitely, like you said, something I've had to work to untrain and be very intentional and proactive about how the unhealthy parts of me are sometimes kind of self-sabotaging my efforts to find a healthy relationship
1: I think what you said there that was really good and just actually taught me something was just how because they weren't emotionally expressive it taught you to keep people at a distance because that's where I
0: felt safe and it was so interesting because in my longest relationship in my marriage I was actually highly avoidant I was so uncomfortable with Physical affection and it is sad because that was definitely unfair to my partner But at the place where I was then I just didn't know these things about myself and how really to change them and it's interesting because I Feel like I've been all over the map with that relationship. I was so avoidant but then in the following relationship, it's like I went to the other extreme where I felt very anxious because I was trying so hard to work on those things about myself then I became feeling very anxious given what my partner was giving me with more inconsistent love because I found someone who was somewhat more avoidant than me which made me kind of the anxious one and I definitely think learning more about this from you and also reading uh, the book you recommended me attached has taught me so much about how to feel more secure in myself and in relationships
1: that's so good yeah that book is amazing Yes, i remember i recommend it to like everyone who right. is having relationship issues that look remotely yeah. like the push and pull that we talk about, like, it's the avoidant and anxious push and Mm -hmm. pull. Definitely. Um, Which, like, I don't think we really covered that, but, like... oh yeah,
0: can you talk a bit about that?
1: Yeah, because I feel like that's important. That's probably the most important thing that I learned um, when it came to attachment while learning how to find a good partner was just, you know, like... When you get into something, if I'm the anxious person and I'm and I'm dating avoidant people, ultimately we're going to be very attracted to each other because uh, we actually have very similar wounds, just mm-hmm. they're showing up differently. Mm-hmm. And so in one way that really bonds you and connects you because you have similar wounds and yeah. you can like relate to each other on like a really core level. But then on the other end, you have opposite needs. And so, like, Mm -hmm. I need need closeness and you need distance. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, it's like magic and it's like drugs, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you are on a high, not just because of, like, the normal endorphins of, like, being in love with a person, but because you, like... If I'm the avoidant person, I have lacked that emotional depth for a long time because I haven't allowed myself to go there because yeah. I'm avoiding my own emotions in a lot of ways. Yeah. If I'm the anxious person, I'm a well of emotions yeah. that are just spilling out and like no you one can handle that. me yeah. because I'm not managing myself. Yeah. And so because of that, you meet an avoidant person and they're like, oh my gosh, look at this ball of emotion that yeah. I've been missing in my life. You're so beautiful and wonderful and warm and yeah. like full of life and I'm mm-hmm. dead inside at the moment. Mm-hmm. But then the, um, the anxious person is full of emotions and they see this avoidant person and they're like, you're so stable. You're so structured. Yeah. You're so calm. You calm me down because I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah. I don't know how to feel like, balanced and normal, because my emotions are going cray-cray. Yeah. And so, like, ultimately, they come together, and it feels like this, like, really good, like, you know, we complement each other when really it's, like, hell waiting to happen. Yeah. Because ultimately, once those, like, endorphins slash that drug feeling weighs off, or wears off, yeah. um, you get to a place where you're, like, really rubbing on each other the wrong way yeah you know I need distance I need space I need closeness I need you to like affirm me and reassure me mm-hmm. and um yeah I did that dance a couple times and yeah it's like we not all. fun yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: can so. you if you're comfortable tell us a little bit about your experience in that anxious avoidance cycle
1: um should I use code names yeah for these let's ex- use code boyfriends code names. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's like a um, code name
0: we should use. Okay. We could call him like I don't
1: Elvis know. Presley. Elvis Presley. Okay. <laughs> or
0: who's your celebrity crush?
1: Oh my gosh. That would be Theo James. Okay. Okay. It's Theo James. It's well Theo. but I don't know that I want to view my ex as yeah. that okay. positively. Who's your,
0: who's your um least favorite celebrity? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So it a totally different direction.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay, Nicholas Cage. Okay, great. So Nicholas. we'll say the first one was Nicolas Cage. Yeah. And that actually makes sense because I did feel very trapped and like I was in a cage. Yeah. So that makes sense. Perfect. <laughs> Alright, Nicholas. So Nicholas came along and you know, that's my chair. Sorry guys. <laughs> it's a little freak, yeah. Um So Nicholas came along and he was very smooth and suave, but like not in like a charmer type way, just like being a very relaxed and calm. Uh, just like I mentioned, the avoidance come off very like structured and stable. And that was him. And he was very ambitious and had all these goals and, uh, wasn't very reactionary. Um, and had like every kind of, uh, I don't know, brilliant ideal you could ever think of. So I was so impressed with his brain and that's where he really got me. Mm -hmm. But you know, the brain is not the heart and that's what was lacking was that in the relationship. And so, um, for a long time, i thought there were a lot of other issues and honestly he would deflect and make it about every one of those other issues you know mm-hmm. he would um he would point out flaws mm-hmm. in the relationship in order to keep me off the trail of it's actually him and his sure. inability to open up and to be intimate emotionally. yeah yeah So um, he would create conflict, he would um, point out my flaws, he actually picked me apart over the course of three and a half
0: years. It's just Um, so interesting, because I also had dated someone like that, and it's just so interesting to me when people use that as a way to deflect and distract So that you don't get too close to them. Right. It's just the most mind-boggling thing for me. Well, so, I mean, I could also guess whether this guy had
1: more issues than being avoidant. But Mm. even if we're purely going off of avoidance, like... He's avoiding... All of it. Right. He's avoiding having to face what's going on in him. He's avoiding having to face how he's hurting you. He's avoiding
0: um, his own feelings or flaws or any of it. He'd rather focus on you than himself. Mm -hmm. And so like truly avoidant people are
1: actually deep down um, lonely. They want relationships. They want to connect with you. They want to be able to have that healthy love. But because they have that wounding um, from their childhood, they don't have that ability right Mm -hmm. now until they get healed. Sure. And And so, yeah.
0: That wounding you're mentioning, it's basically a feeling of kind of like abandonment from not having basically a parental figure be there for them when they needed it so or can you go more into what the wounding in someone who's avoidant kind of looks like
1: so yeah a lot of avoidant people had to be little adults at a very young age and so they had to learn to take care of themselves they learned that if they cried that they would be told to stop crying Mm -hmm. um it was not really welcome or um listened to um, so really I mean it could be a lot of different things but emotionally they're essentially kind of shunned like yeah. it's unimportant to the parent sure. or at least not taken care of at all yeah. um, so neglect
0: really yes um, and no, that so makes sense yeah and so then when they are in this romantic relationship they are kind of having those similar feelings or just the fact of someone showing up Trying to be so present makes them uncomfortable. Yeah.
1: yeah. Because it's like, that's not what normal looks mm-hmm. like, right? That's yeah. not my comfort zone. Because, you know, if there's anything I learned after dating Nicolas Cage, yeah, it is that I tolerated bad behavior mm-hmm. and that became comfortable. Yeah. And so once that becomes comfortable, it's actually it's less scary to go into something similar to that Mm -hmm. than it is to go into something that, like, is healthy and risky.
0: Yes, Um, you told me this once, and it resonated so much with me. I remember because I was dating at the time someone who was pretty classically avoidant, and I was trying to understand why I kept picking these avoidant relationships. And I think what you told me is sarah are you picking this because then you know deep down you're also gonna keep them at a safe distance because it's probably not gonna work out because if you were with someone who showed up and you showed up that would be really scary because then you know it could work and that is really scary for someone like me who is partially avoidant so it's like kind of self-sabotage like i'm attracted to this avoidance because it's what I know and it scares me to be in a situation where someone really does show up because then I have to really be vulnerable and open and could get hurt or something could scare me you know because I mean like an avoidant person that I deep
1: down am not respecting for their behavior Mm -hmm. um and the fact that they're not showing up fully Mm -hmm. um when they hurt me and when they leave me or when, they, when I leave them, mm-hmm. it's like, well, whatever. I didn't lose much. Mm-hmm. But like you have a healthy person who shows up with full mm-hmm. love mm-hmm. and they like try yeah,
0: totally. and you
1: try and yeah. then for whatever reason, you guys end it that is heartbreak because yeah, it's like definitely
0: it's you so both hard. gave it yeah you're you all and it, for you're whatever all. reason you really tried yeah and it was easy for me when I was with someone super avoidant because then I could blame it not working out on that exactly whereas you know if it didn't work out I could say well deep down I don't know if it would have ever worked out because they weren't really showing up right And so it puts me in this role of I feel like I'm showing up, you know, but then if I'm in a relationship with someone secure and we both show up, that's scary, you know, because then it could really be something. Yeah, like have you ever heard
1: of like the codependent narcissistic like relationship?
0: I don't think I have heard of this.
1: So usually narcissists and codependents oh, end actually, up together. Maybe you
0: have told me about this, but definitely go into it more because okay. it's super interesting.
1: Well, so codependents also tend to be with alcoholics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in all of these, they're essentially catering to that stronger will, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas in the situation with avoidance, oftentimes um, the opposite is also a codependent.
0: Yeah. Because
1: ultimately That is
0: such honestly that is really profound. I've never thought of it that way.
1: Well, I didn't think about it that way until yeah. I had my most recent relationship. Gotcha. where I realized um in a really healthy relationship where my partner is showing up as securely as possible. Um you know, he has his issues same as anyone yeah. but not the um unhealthy not really helping the relationship grow mm-hmm. and be a good dynamic. He's He's truly trying, and he's a healthy, normal yeah. human. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, but uh, but because he showed up healthy, I found myself almost wanting him to be an avoidant partner. Yeah. And I realized, why is that? Why uh-huh. is it that him not showing up avoidantly um, is not as attractive for uh-huh. me, right? Yeah. What, is, what is wrong with me that I need someone to be avoidant or even, I mean, potentially narcissistic mm-hmm. because they show up so confidently and selfishly, mm-hmm. and there was something so appealing about so that to me. It is so
0: in the most unhealthy way, right. you know, because I'm attracted to the same thing, right. even though that doesn't create healthy relationships. Well, because my needs are not important in that yeah. dynamic, yeah. And it's so interesting. I would love to hear, like, what you feel like the conclusions you came to. Well, I
1: realized through that I was more codependent than I thought because I always
0: thought, oh, yeah,
1: maybe I have some codependent tendencies here and there. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, sometimes I don't speak up for myself in this situation or whatever. But um, when I realized I was trying to create an avoidant out of a secure boyfriend.
0: It's just so interesting. Yeah.
1: Like, I realized that it was because I needed him to be ultimately selfish and have this life that he wanted separate of me so that i could almost like lean on that Mm -hmm. so that his life was so interesting that i did not need to put the effort into my own life that i did not need to have the same yeah that's
0: so yeah how i mean honestly i think that's very self-aware and self-reflective and really just interesting to think about because now I'm wondering, you know, if I do the same things. I'm just feeling really, you know... Reflective. Yeah. <laughs> but, um...
1: Yeah, it's hard to know. I think I would have never known that yeah. about myself because I honestly... I would have thought if a healthy guy would just come along and we clicked in all of yeah. the other right places, you know? like Because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't just want a healthy relationship. Yeah. You want a healthy relationship where you guys just, like enjoy each other yeah, and respect each other and like have, have all fun. the things. Yeah. yeah like and you know I used to look at healthy as like I wouldn't see all of that with it I mm-hmm. would like almost think that healthy was going to be boring I was just and, about to yeah. mention
0: that because I feel like I've definitely fallen into that in certain relationships where I have a partner who shows up very securely and then because there's no ups and downs and no mystery of avoidance then it gets boring. Right. And I feel like, and I'd love to hear your perspective, but I feel like I really had to reframe boring to peaceful. Yeah, same. (laughs) I've actually had to, like, look
1: at moments when uh, there's no drama and say, thank God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, literally. um, Yeah, because, I mean, I literally got to the point where I was having physical issues. Yeah. Like my uh heart was yes. having like yeah like, like palpitations yes yeah because of the anxiety that I was feeling in a relationship in which somebody was showing up so intermittently and so like yes um he would essentially ghost me throughout the relationship I have
0: had that happen um, yeah, yeah yeah I think you know who I'm talking about too right yeah but who's your least favorite celebrity <laughs> I know <laughs> let me think um man I don't even know Mm, Because I don't really, like, watch a lot of movies or anything. (laughs) I'm trying to think who really bugs me. I don't know. Um, Maybe I'll just call him George.
1: Okay. George Costanza?
0: Yeah. We'll call him George Costanza. All right.
1: Sounds good.
0: (laughs) But my George Costanza was very avoidant, and he and I didn't date for very long, but he totally kept me on the loop. I was like hanging on every text because he was so in and out and so confusing and it was such a puzzle for me and I just felt like I so desperately wanted him to show up and I feel like that's an interesting component of it we haven't maybe talked about but it was like I felt the avoidance from him that I felt in my family dynamics and I just so badly wanted to have the same dynamic but to get it right this time right to earn the love Mm -hmm. to win the love and it comes from this very um unhealthy perspective that love should be conditional and that i i don't know basically with his ups and downs and lefts and right it just made me really interested in him but even more desperate to try and get that um gratification from him of that quote unquote love and Yeah, I feel like, I don't know if you can relate to that at all, but I feel like sometimes when we have these unhealthy dynamics from our childhood or from our past, we bring those same dynamics into our adult lives to create a more healthy outcome or -hmm. or a more positive outcome for ourselves Mm -hmm. so that we can build our self-esteem when really that's not how it should be. Yeah,
1: that's, I mean, that's exactly what I've heard is that ultimately, you know, my dad was pretty avoidant. And so, uh, shocker that I'm going for all these avoidant guys, yeah, you know, totally, yeah. um, they say our dads are our first love, right? <laughs> well, yeah. uh, that's not good if it yeah. means that it's setting you up for something that's not as healthy. Definitely. Um, and so, uh, until you like notice like, Oh, these patterns, um, I didn't, you know, you don't always realize that your dad is avoidant or anxious or whatever they're showing up as, yeah. um, until, you know, you really self-reflect on how that's kind of showing up in your life now. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely I started to see how, you know, you almost want to date people that are similar so that you can prove to yourself that you deserve the love that your yes. parents didn't give you, Yeah, totally. Um, you know, in the way that they didn't show up. So, uh, if Which, it's,
0: it's so subconscious. Yeah. I mean, I can only speak from my experience, but it's not like I'm feeling any type of resentment or bitterness or anything like that with my parents. I love my parents, and they have grown so much in themselves, so totally not trying to trash them or anything. But, I mean, none of this is anything I've, like, made a conscious decision. It just subconsciously has been in the back of my mind and has affected How I bond with people in a romantic relationship because it's one of the most intimate types of relationships and I feel like those real patterns come out when you're in intimate situations with people when you're really exposed and vulnerable. Yeah. And to your
1: point about your parents, I'm definitely someday going to have to apologize to my future kids for probably mm-hmm. messing them up I in, know, like, 5,000 ways that we don't exactly. realize in the yeah. moment. But, like... Definitely. But, yeah, definitely. I remember hearing somewhere um, that, you know, our parents, even if they did not parent us as kids, it's our responsibility now that we are adults to parent yes. ourselves. yeah. And, unfortunately, you know, if... We weren't necessarily handed all the resources and tools to be, like, um, you know, successful adults on our own from the time that we're, like, cast out into the world independently. Like, it's on us now, like, to figure out how to get that place of healing and um, take responsibility for it. And so I think you and I are both just on our journeys trying to, like, figure it out (laughs) and, like,
0: find these healthier people and become healthier people. Become healthier people. I feel like that has been, like, my mantra the past two years is, like, really trying to face my issues and my bullshit head-on because I... I think for the longest time, I, with my avoidant tendencies, I was so avoidant in my marriage and so avoidant of my own flaws and really deep issues. And it took so much work even to be where I am now, but I'm so encouraged because I feel like there's so much growth to be had. And on the other side of that is a happier life.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely think uh you and I have made leaps and bounds like in just like learning yeah. about this even just yeah. the last couple years. Just- definitely.
0: And I mentioned this in the intro, but like that's definitely one thing I appreciate about our friendship because it definitely has encouraged me to self-reflect and has taught me so much about things I didn't even know were issues or things that I might be doing or and honestly, that's the most beautiful thing: is to find people who really push you and help you to be better. I agree. Yeah,
1: I agree with that. And even pursuing a boyfriend, somebody who shows up fully mm-hmm. and like not settling for any less. But now Rosie has shown up, yeah. so she's probably going to make a dog, dog over sounds here.
0: So yeah, you can hear dog noises. <laughs> that's what's happening. But okay, so maybe to tie this up, can you tell us? from your knowledge and experience. Oh, hey puppy. Can you tell us from your knowledge and experience how we, whether we're anxious or avoidant, or maybe from both perspectives can work towards being more secure?
1: So yeah, I think um, if you are an anxious person, you kind of recognize um, that you get afraid when there's distance made in a relationship. And It's in those moments, self-soothing. It's learning, self-soothing. It's the thing that an avoidant person is really, really good at.
0: Um, (laughs) Rosie's going crazy. I think she ran out of peanut butter. (laughs) So (laughs) So now she's like, okay, where are the humans? We
1: tried to, uh, you know, charm her with peanut butter, but
0: it it only lasted so long. I think there we go. (laughs) I'll just keep petting her. Yeah, just keep
1: giving her back scratches. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um so yeah I think just the distance uh that will be the trigger for an anxious person it's in those moments reminding yourself that you know sometimes our thoughts are not always telling us the truth sometimes they're just telling us what we're afraid of mm-hmm. and then challenging those fears and whether they're reality or whether they're based in just protectiveness um mm-hmm. and then for an avoidant person um, when I described kind of my current healthy relationship, I definitely saw my own avoidant tendencies come out because um, strangely um, anxious people and avoidant people are kind of two sides of a coin. So if you're avoidant, you internally are probably very anxious and that's Mm -hmm. what they're hiding. And if you're anxious, you're probably internally avoidant. And that's why we find our comfort zone in avoidant people. Um, And so... The challenge for an avoidant person is to sit in that discomfort longer than you want to. It's to feel the feeling of, I want to run away. And then, like, recognizing that, like, you don't necessarily want to run away. From that intimacy. Right. So when somebody is showing up fully for you, um, recognizing that, hey I actually want this my mm-hmm. body's telling me that I don't want this mm-hmm. and that is very very confusing and I empathize with avoidant people I know that they can kind of get the bad rap of like mm-hmm. you know being the not good partners and the people you don't want to date and all of that but yeah. I have so much empathy for avoidant people because that is a very confusing place to be of wanting and not wanting the exact same thing at the same time.
0: Yeah. And,
1: um... Definitely.
0: It's so confusing.
1: Yeah. So, because you also had avoidant tendencies, so you yeah. might even be able to speak to that a little bit.
0: I'm very much like what you described, where it's like avoidant-anxious combination, and I feel like certain relationships in my life have brought brought out certain sides of that, but, um, yeah, it's just definitely interesting to see because I feel like for me, when I was avoidant, I definitely had to figure out why in myself I felt so uncomfortable with the affection mm-hmm. and love. Yeah, And part of me thinks it maybe was because I really didn't think I deserved it. And it was an insecure part of me that thought, okay, this person's showing up fully vulnerable and open to me and that scares me because maybe I don't really believe I deserve this, you know? I'm not used to this. I, I don't know this unconditional type of love. And then on the other side of it, I feel like maybe my anxious side is whenever someone's not showing up for me then I want so badly to try and convince them to so that I can get that validation. Right. That will make me feel, oh, yeah, I am lovable. Yeah. This whole time, I wasn't sure, but now I know I am. Right. I don't know if that really makes sense. No, Sometimes I have these thoughts and I like, and these feelings, but I don't know if I can verbalize them in a way that's very clear. But it's just, it definitely is an interesting thing. And I feel like I've definitely, I've, Okay, I feel like I've said definitely 500 million times. It's okay. (laughs) You definitely, definitely... I'm trying to become more secure. Yeah. And I think over time, I've definitely seen some improvements, but... No,
1: I agree. (sighs) I think um, what you said, though, about when you finally get that validation, you are able to know that you are worthy of that love. And Mm -hmm. I think it's funny because it's like... I bet if we were to date an avoidant person and they suddenly, like,
0: suddenly loved
1: us, we'd be like, eh, like, like, no longer interested. (laughs) Like, you are not nearly as cool as I thought because... I think on a vulnerable level, what I honestly think my thing was, was less that I didn't believe that I was worthy of like a true... Should I toss her paintball? Oh my goodness. I'll try. She's making all the noises. I don't know if I have that good of aim. Yeah, try. Should I try? Well, it's... I did it! Wow, Sarah, you should play softball or something. I have. I know. You're the coach. I know. Um... So, yeah, I think instead of questioning whether um, I was deserving of love, I think that when I would see my current boyfriend um, show up healthy and loving towards me, I would almost disrespect it. Mm -hmm. And that is odd. That is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I would, I would almost, like, dislike myself when I would feel that way. Mm-hmm. But I would almost disrespect his vulnerability because I would almost see it as weakness.
0: I think I did the same thing, actually. Like, now that you say that, I'm honestly kind of reflecting on my past and times maybe I might have felt the same way with a vulnerable partner.
1: Right. And I think what it ultimately taught me was I was not okay with my own like showing up that way. And I think it wasn't yes, necessarily yeah, me showing probably. up that way now, mm-hmm. because I think I do show up that way now. Mm-hmm. But I think it was because me, when I was a child, in an environment where that wasn't well-received, yes. it was shut down. Yes. I had, like, a heart and that was... Yeah. So I had a heart that was showing up full of love and, like, maybe going above and beyond for people and caring for people. And instead, um, it was a very chaotic environment where, you know, um, my parents weren't necessarily receptive of that. Mm-hmm. My siblings were definitely not receptive of that. Like, yeah. um And so... It almost was a thing I got shamed for or if it would be used um, against me as, like, they would use weapons of words and, and yeah, things like that. So totally. me being vulnerable was truly vulnerable in an environment like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now as an adult, it's like that child in me is still there and is like, yeah. ooh, you just showed me your car. You know, like, it's like this... Definitely. You just showed me an area of weakness, and I don't respect you for showing that. And, like, yeah, and that's really like almost it's disturbing to be honest. But, like, when I allow myself to be honest with what I'm feeling, whether Mm -hmm. it's disturbing or whether it's totally like uh, something people would respect, (laughs) I think. Allowing that full spectrum of emotions and and honesty allows me to move forward because then I can look at it honestly and go, yeah now I see where that's coming from and like I don't like that that's affecting how yeah. I feel towards a healthy person who shows yeah. up in my life in the most loving and beautiful and vulnerable and honestly strong way it's the opposite of weakness
0: yes um, no you're totally right. yeah every
1: time I've ever shown up in a vulnerable way I know that that's me being bold and, and that's me being strong yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, for those who don't show up with vulnerability, it's oftentimes out of fear, right? And so that's weakness. Yeah. So
0: it's just so interesting. And I think that's really good. What you said about how the way you've kind of combated that is being able to look in the mirror and say, okay, I'm having this feeling. I recognize that this feeling is not from the healthiest place in myself and I don't want to act upon this and kind of being able to reframe that in a way where you realize okay even though I'm feeling triggered like this is weakness and it's making me feel unattracted actually this is strength Mm -hmm. and then it kind of helps you come back around to your partner and build that connection rather than run away from it. Right. Yeah. So Mm. I
1: mean Healthy relationships are still full of things that, you know, need growth and um, honest reflection and like, you know.
0: And it's hard to be on both ends of that. It's hard to be the person who needs to kind of explain what's going on in your head that's maybe making you feel a certain way. And then it's also hard to be on the receiving end of, okay, I'm feeling (laughs) this way. I'm not really loving this part. Yeah. Of you right now. Right. I feel like it's just, it's just hard. Because, I mean, that's why romantic relationships are so difficult because it's, you're showing up in your most vulnerable form in the most intimate of situations and you have to kind of reconcile those things with another person who's showing up with all of their own things. Yeah, for sure. Which, to your
1: question previously Mm -hmm. on how do you heal if, yes. you're a sec- if you're an insecure attachment style, whether that's anxious or avoidant. Mm-hmm. Um, I explained like individually, but an overall thing that you read in the book Attached that we talked about earlier is, you know we tend to be attracted to the opposite, the anxious to the avoidant and the avoidant to the anxious. Mm -hmm. And they call that a very toxic relationship usually because, honestly, um, like a trauma bond. Yeah. Um, it just creates chaos and, um, a difficulty meeting each other's needs without yes. really pulling Ugh. on your own vulnerability. Oh
0: my gosh. Yeah, so so relatable. <laughs> yeah,
1: so like if you are attracted to that person, or if you're, you could be in a serious relationship already, commitment, marriage, um, mm-hmm. with somebody who you see is the opposite of you, attachment style, and there's still hope. You mm-hmm. can, you can, um, if you're avoidant, you can work on yourself. While that other person is working on themselves, but Mm -hmm. it's so important for you both to be working on yourselves because it is going to be even harder for you in that environment to work on yourself and to still have like all those insecurities and vulnerabilities kind of poked and poked
0: Um, it's going to take a lot of work and it's going to be fulfilling work, but it's not going to be easy.
1: Well, and it'll be extra hard if you have somebody who's kind of pulling on your insecurities the whole time. Whereas, um, he kind of recommends in the book to, um, date somebody who is secure. If you have, if you're, if you're still single and that's where you're at, you know, um, because when you date someone who's secure, it helps you to kind of start seeing like a good standard of yes. like how you show up in a balanced way. Yes, um, from yeah. somebody whose literal like you know uh, nervous system is not freaking out either way. Yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So it really that's helps. That's super you.
0: valuable. I think that's great advice because if you are naturally secure, great for you because you're gonna have a lot of potential partners, but. If you are either avoidant or anxious, that finding someone secure is going to teach you how to show up in a healthy way and down-regulate your nervous system. And kind of to the point that we were saying, it kind of teaches you how to be attracted to those things in a partner, Right, yeah. even if it's not your natural inclination. A hundred percent.
1: Yeah. And I mean, as a warning to the wise, because mm-hmm. you're wise to date somebody who helps you be more healthy. Yeah. But, yes. Um, a warning to the wise is that it will honestly Um, they warn you that it will feel boring because Mm -hmm. it is not pulling on all of your adrenaline. (laughs) You're not constantly going through spikes of adrenaline when you're freaked out because they're either too close or too far away. Um, And you're not getting, you know, those moments of intense passion because now that they've shown you they're back again, you're so madly in love. Yeah, and and it
0: feels like love. Right. Whereas really that consistent, secure showing up even though it may feel boring that might be the most true form of love exactly
1: yeah so that consistency definitely because we do not experience the surprise that you feel in an insecure relationship yeah
0: because the low lows make the high highs feel like euphoric like this must be what love feels like right when really it's just your nervous system being so overstimulated right so it's really anxiety yeah (laughs) but
1: yeah so I mean I have a lot of respect for anyone who wants to challenge What is going on internally for them, and start working towards something different because it is—it's a hard road, and it's not for the um, faint faint at at heart. heart. Yeah, (laughs) for real. Yeah, no, Um, like very much so, and like I think you know because your emotions can lie to you so much. You know they can tell you so much of what's going on, but if you are wired for um fearing something that is not necessarily going to harm you like distance or closeness then it's hard to move past that without like going through some some weird emotional episodes to be honest and counseling can help with that yeah that's a great um, tool yeah and books that we've read like attached yes yeah just learning just trying to understand yourself journaling things like that to like really get in touch with like what's going on. Yeah, Um, and
0: it kind of helps you to self-reflect Yeah. When you write things down on paper. Yeah. So that was wonderful. Do you have any final takeaways for us? I mean, try your hardest to find
1: what you're interested in when you're in the dating pool Mm -hmm. by looking at your patterns. Yeah. And then from there, you can learn how to change what you're going to get If you're really disappointed with what you're currently getting, that is
0: such great advice. I love that. (laughs) Well, let's end on that note. Thanks so much, Laura, for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I feel like this is so helpful. I know it helped me when I was going through the dating process. So um, if you've made it this far in the podcast, thank you so much for listening and tune in next week (laughs) for another episode. Bye bye. Bye.